Welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's producer, media guru, and her son. On today's show, we are discussing creating art on a budget, and with me, as always, is Rebecca Kroll. Hello. Um, right, this was a listener request, um, and she brought up the fact that, uh, well, making art is expensive. <laughs> and, and what can you do, how can you get started, what, how can you make the most of the budget that you have? Um, and so we were, just before we started today, we were thinking about the fact that you know, you kind of start where, where you're at. And we started the Messy Studio podcast in a closet. So now we're, now we're in quite a nice studio here. So Yeah, it's really nice to be into this space. Yeah, this is our first recording here. And so, um, you know, you work your way up and you, you collect things that you need and you, you start with what you can afford and you add to your total accumulation of stuff over time is kind of the basic idea. But we have a lot more specifics as well. So, um, and, and I, I've always been on a, I'm a budget-minded person, you know, like, you know this, Ross, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm quite conservative with money, uh, with the exception of I like really good paint. But, um, a lot of times, you know, I, I do think about cost and, um, and so, and in the beginning, when I was starting out, you know, I, I had a lot of things that I was cautious with and made certain choices about. Um, and I think, I think overall, it just helps to have kind of a can-do attitude. Like, don't get the, don't let the budget get you down. <laughs> I always tell people, start with what you have. Yeah. Uh, whatever the situation, you have something. You do. Uh, um, you're not. Nobody in America, at least, is completely void of resources. And we talked on the last episode about about ancient peoples, and uh, their that kind of drive to yes. first put your hand into some pigment and put it on a rock yeah, wall. Right. They're literally working with nothing except for the time that they have and yeah. the materials that they can pick up off the ground. And they're, and they're always, even today, there are many people making um, art that is not made with artist-grade materials, they're using recycled stuff, they're using um, other maybe um, non-artist uh, things from the hardware store. And so uh, it's a matter, uh, sometimes a matter of being inventive and looking past uh, just the standard ideas for, for supplies. Um, but I would like to go over a little bit about some of the standard things that people usually need. Yeah, that's usually a good starting <laughs> yeah. point. It's just kind <laughs> yeah. of the basics. So um, the biggest one, I think, well, biggest in terms of resources is a studio. And this varies tremendously what what people expect what people want what people actually have um, and I, I would like to mention that although in Wisconsin um, I have you know quite a big nice studio but my um, my studio for the winters in New Mexico is uh, resembles a tiny cell <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's about 10 by 10 feet with a, a very small window um, a door that can accidentally lock from the outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were a couple times you got locked in there, I did, right? I did. You know, I made a lot of art that day. But um, <laughs> anyway, it's barely big enough to even step back from a big panel. But I've worked, I worked there all last winter. I produced a, an exhibit of big paintings. So, um, I, you know, I would like to have a bigger studio out there, and, and I will at some point. 
but but for now, it's what I've got, so I use it. And I think that um, a lot of people have sort of a glorious idea in their mind of what the studio, their dream studio would be. But there are people making art on the kitchen table all the time, so. Yeah, when I was, um, for a, a short period of time, I was doing some storyboards and stuff just yeah. for a friend in Albuquerque. And my studio was just part of my bedroom with a, uh, somebody had given me actually a drafting table that I had set up as an easel. Uh -huh. and, uh, and just charcoal and, yep. um, you know, newsprint, you know, yeah. but. A lot um, of people do work just, you know, in a spare room or yeah. part of their room. Um, and I was able to create actually some yeah. really high quality stuff out of that space. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at other times I was working in kind of sheds and old chicken coops and stuff like that. So. <laughs> and it, it is, I mean, it's frankly hard when you're not comfortable, when yeah. you're too cold or too hot, um, you don't have enough light. I mean, mm -hmm. all those things are difficult. And, and so, you know, always looking to improve your space is fine, but I think it can be such a big um, block for people to say, well, I, I don't have anywhere to work. And so, um, you know, think about what, what you have and start there. And well, there's all, all kinds of excuses for why not to get started on something. Yeah, you can yeah. always come up with a reason not to do yeah, it. So we're, we're not going to accept the, I don't have a studio yeah. one, okay? <laughs> um, well, and you know, a lot of people say like, I should do X or, or uh, they'll say other people do X, but there's all these reasons why I can't. Yeah. Not a lot of people just do it, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and just starting with whatever you got and just doing it is, yeah. is so important. And it's the biggest step toward actually achieving what you want to achieve is just get started. Even right. if you know it's, it's not going to be right the first time. Yeah. And as far as the studio goes, one, one thing, this came up at an early workshop I taught, and there was a, a man there who has since done wonderful work and really, really come a long way in his career, but it was his first workshop. And he kept saying, I make, he kept referring to his uh, place where he made art as in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I was in the basement. I, I go in the basement. And one of the other students said, um, how about if you just call it your studio? And he said, oh, I guess I could, you know. And it, it just like hit everybody that what you actually call this space makes a difference, you know, in your own mind. And, and probably if it's in a, a house with other people, it makes a difference to them if this is your studio and not just a corner of the yeah, living room or something. Yeah, this is a space where I'm working and not, yeah. and not just somewhere where I'm hanging out. Right, right. So, um, you know, and you do need some basic things in your studio. I mean, you need some kind of light, some kind of ventilation, um, if you're actually working in your house, you probably need to protect the, the floors and the, you know, tabletops and whatever. Um, now, you know, you could think also about trying to get out of your house if you, there are ways to do this without spending a lot of money. And, and sometimes that's helpful to just is. change your mindset <clears throat> and to remove yourself from those other distractions in your life. It's, it's really true. And I, I have worked, um, say on an artist residency, a lot of times, um, this, there is not a lot of separation between the studio and the, where you're living. It might just be another room. And it is, it is a little bit harder to separate from your computer or your dirty dishes or something. <laughs> Whereas if you actually go somewhere and you're in another space entirely, that's pretty nice. Um, so, you know, that, that, but then that becomes a bigger financial thing usually. And, I would say there are solutions to that that you might be able to fit in your budget. 
which include um, co-op spaces, sharing spaces, maybe renting with another artist where you, even if it's not a very big space, you could say, well, I'll do mornings and you do nights or something, you know, kind of split up the time. And, um, and you can also think of ways to finance that space, like maybe, maybe you could teach a workshop there, but if you're not at that point, maybe you could rent it to someone to teach or you could rent it to um, a local art group for critique sessions or something, you know, and try to figure out some way that you could bring in some income with the space to pay for it. And I know a lot of artists who teach workshops uh, as a way of covering their studio rent, and it works really well. Yeah, what about like crowdsourcing, like a, a Kickstarter or GoFundMe? It might work. I mean, if you, if you feel you have that kind of support, um, I think you'd have to have some kind of a track record, probably. Sure. Um, and I, I and know some way of rewarding your supporters. Right. Um, I know of people that have used Kickstarters when something happened. Uh, I know some artists in Ireland lost a studio to fire, and they had a Kickstarter to yeah. find a new space. We actually we put that onto the Facebook page. That's for the right. That was Joanna Kidney. Yeah. 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 So um, anyway, you know, being inventive, being creative when it comes to that studio space is is great, you know, and and try to let go for now. If you don't have the dream studio, keep that dream in mind, but you know, kind of let go of it and say, moving on here. Um, and um, so then, you know, I want to talk a little bit about supplies because that's kind of the next thing. And mm-hmm. I have to say this, my perspective on this is a painter. And so this is mostly aimed at painters, uh, but I think somewhat, I'll, I'll extrapolate a little bit maybe. So. Uh, where to get the supplies. I mean, lots of people use online shopping and prices are generally really good. Um, so Blick and uh, Jerry's Artarama, probably the biggest ones in the U.S. anyway. I do want to put in a word for um, small independently owned art supply stores because, yes, usually the prices are higher. But what you get, you get customer service and you get people who say, um, you know, I don't really recommend that brand or here, do you want to try that out and see what it looks like? Um, and they get to know you. And sometimes you can really have a nice relationship with a small independent store, uh, where you can, you can learn a lot. So yeah. And those are the kind of places where when you walk in the door, they know you by name and they say, Oh, we just got this new thing on the shelf. You're going to love it. You should try it out. Yeah. So if you, if you happen to uh, have one of those in your neighborhood, I would say, support it. I mean, as much as you can. Um, within With a practical eye to, okay, some things, I know what I'm buying. Maybe I'll get them online. I know this particular type of paint or this particular type of panel. I'm happy with it, and I'll get that online. But I, I do believe in supporting those stores when possible. Um, so I'm an oil painter, and I would say that uh, oils are the most expensive paints. <laughs> But I'll, I'll give you a few tips if, if you, if you, uh, like to, to use them. And one of those is, um, the paints will almost always come in different size tubes. So I, I actually have here, um, the two common sizes of, of tubes. And this one is about 150 milligrams in most brands. And this one's about 37. And if you're listening to this uh, audio only, uh, we're going to put pictures of this stuff on our Facebook page too. So um, anyway, those are kind of standard tube sizes. And 
of course you're starting out and you think, wow, that little one is $10 and that big one is 30, so I better get the little one. Uh, makes sense to a certain extent when you're trying to figure out what your preferred palette is, but once you know your palette, um, go ahead and, and try to get the bigger ones because it's so much more economical. They, they really are much cheaper per ounce or whatever. And so definitely, even starting out, I would get the big white one, big titanium white, because everybody uses a lot of white. Um, so um, the other thing to think about with buying paints is paint companies typically within the same brand, they'll offer something they call like artist or professional grade paint. And then they'll also offer um, something like student grade or maybe it has some other name. So high-end, lower-end paints. Um, this is a typical um, student grade lower-end paint. This is Winton, which is made by Windsor Newton. I see a lot of students at my workshops bring Winton paints. And um, Windsor Newton's a very good brand. Winton paints aren't bad, but overall, the lower quality paint is made with a lot of binders and things. And so it doesn't have the strength of pigment. And so what happens, you get mud. <laughs> you know, you're mixing paints together that don't really carry a lot of pigment load. And so it's frustrating. And I think there is basically something frustrating about lower quality supplies. I mean, even when, when you guys were kids, I'd try mm -hmm. to get you pretty nice art supplies. Yeah, like nicer acrylics yeah, and pastels. Yeah. And because it's frustrating to use, you know, like those little pans of watercolor that you yeah. always get in, in grade school. It's like, there's not much pigment in those. And no, and to actually make something with that is very, yeah, very difficult. So it's, it's nice even with kids to start out with something a little bit more um, rewarding to work with, I guess is one way to say it. So um, that said... Um, you know, there are, there are things you can do with student paints. And, and um, one of the things that they're very handy for is just underpainting. So, you know, building up, if you, if you work in layers like I do, just kind of building up the surface, um, creating some textures, and, and, and not maybe not as color-focused as it will be later as you're getting closer to being done with the painting. And so a lot of people do that, and they... They'll use them until the until the point where the color starts to be something they really want to become expressive with. So, um, and the other thing I want to mention, um, uh, Gamblin uh, makes makes a really um, good um, student grade paint, and they don't, I don't think they even call it student grade paint, but it's this 1980 paint. It's definitely lower priced than their regular uh, professional brand. But this is really good student paint because it um, is made with marble dust as a binder. And marble dust is something that is basically colorless. And I use it all the time just mixing in with paint, and it doesn't alter the color. So what that means is when they make this paint, um, the appearance of it is very close to a higher-grade paint. And so it's a kind of a new product for them in the last few years, and I've started really using it a lot because it's... It's really good. Um, I mean, you would see the difference maybe at some point when you're mixing white in or you're some tinting strength, but it is quite close to the professional brand. So I, I do recommend this uh, brand for starting out because it's it's really good. Um, 
So, um, and then you think about your painting medium, because with oil paints you use different mediums, and they actually extend the paint. So if you're using a medium that is basically less expensive than the paint, you're going to get a little more mileage out of your paint. And so cold wax is what I work with, and I mix about half and half with the paint. Now, it's not, cold wax isn't cheap, because I buy it, but you can make it. So if you made your own cold wax, um, you could really extend your paint and um, and really make it much less expensive. Because all you need to make it is beeswax and some solvent and a few other ingredients. And it's not that hard. So um, that's that would be a big tip for cold wax painters anyways. <laughs> make your own cold wax. Yeah, um, and we talked a little bit on uh, when we were talking about your time in Spain about working with um, egg and yeah. different like natural pigments, wood yeah. ash. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that there's a lot of potential there for people no, those who, are, are pretty cheap materials. Yeah, yeah. who are trying to make something yeah. from scratch in order to, to yeah. bring their budget. Right. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, that kind of is a good transition to the next thing I want to talk about, which is not if you use other things besides oil paint. Because like egg, I don't think you could mix with oil paint. You could you could mix some natural pigments, earth pigments, um, uh, ash, and all those things with oil paint. But a lot of people, you know, if you're not an oil painter and you, you prefer water-based uh, media, um, it tends to be overall less expensive and there's a lot of options from gouache to watercolor, acrylic. Um, and even if you see yourself moving into oil at some point, you know, those are good things to start with. And they're good things for underpainting as well. So they, they definitely, um, have a place in a budget, <laughs> an art budget. And they make acrylic mediums too. So medium is just anything you mix with the paint. If you go out and buy, every uh, acrylic medium on the market, you know, that's probably not a good use of money. But if you get a basic gel medium and just um, try mixing in, you know, you could mix marble dust in or sand or something. I mean, it's play around with things you could put in the medium to make it more interesting if you if you like that sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, and you can kind of experiment with different materials, different mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. kind of grit producers that you can that you can mix and and how they affect the way that the layering works and what, what yeah. you're doing and and figure out ways that you can make the paint do stuff without buying all the products you know and, and so um, well for one example is uh, there are things called open acrylics and they stay open they stay workable longer um, and I I would I would say although I didn't look it up they're probably a little more expensive usually the more specialized, types of things are a little more expensive. But you could get a, a bottle of, um, they call it a retarder solution that you just put in your acrylic paint. It would do the same thing. And it would probably go a pretty long way. So, um, you know, just kind of stop and think uh, what what might be the lower cost um, idea here. Um, and um, a few more things I want to I wanna just cover. Uh, probably not in a lot of depth, but you need something to paint on, right? A painting surface. So um, really uh, getting really cheap canvas and cheap panels and, you know, honestly, it's okay if you're absolutely just learning, but you can end up feeling like you're fighting with those. Again, kind of poor quality. It doesn't give back to you. Like there's a difference in working on something nice and you feel overall a little more satisfied. So 
canvas, if you work on canvas, you can, you can stretch that yourself. You can get the stretcher bars and do all that yourself. Um, panels, get them on sale, find somebody local to make them. Um, another idea though is to use, um, paper and paint on paper and then the works that you like, you could mount onto board. And the others, you haven't wrecked anything, you throw them away if you want. And this is a type of paper that, um, is nice for, um, oil painting because you don't have to prime it or anything and so this whole pad probably cost twenty dollars and I might you know if I were starting out I might get two or three paintings out of it that I liked and and mount those and the rest were just practice so. and if you're also um, you know building your own panels or having them built by somebody um, you know and you're bringing that cost down then yes. then it it really becomes quite affordable right so there's you know, depending on your media, there are different types of um, paper that you can use. And um, you can also use found objects like um, found wood or, you know, be creative. Um, some people paint on hollow core doors. <laughs> sure. You can recycle. You can paint over your old paintings, uh, at least with oil paint. That, that works pretty well. Um, and so, you know, that's uh, another area where you can be pretty inventive. Yeah, go to the hardware store, see what you find. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you know, educate yourself a little bit. Like, if you were to paint on raw wood, you'd probably need to seal it somehow or, you know, like, be a little bit aware of what, what you need to make your work Well, in, in, in anything and last. that you're doing, there's going to be some trial and error. Sure. And just yeah. kind of understand that yeah. there's risk-taking involved in anything that you're doing. Some things yeah. are not going to work out. Mm -hmm. Some things you might you might discover a way of uh, of applying paint to a surface that nobody else has done right. before, and suddenly and, it's you know revolutionary. Yeah, I mean it's it's there is there is a world of of interesting things in the hardware store. I have to say, <laughs> and sometimes I think they're very similar products to what are sold under higher labels as art supplies. Well, and necessity is the mother of invention. <laughs> right. and, and working on a budget and working with limited materials inspires creativity. And it we're, does, we're yeah. able to do some things with limited materials that maybe if we had access to everything that we really wanted, we wouldn't ever think to do it in a better way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So in, in just a few minutes that we have left here, I just mentioned a few other art, art processes, you know, that I'm familiar with. Some, some things like printmaking or working with encaustic take a lot of equipment and setup. And so if those, if that's your area, uh, I would say try to coordinate with other people and try to, um, uh, you know, pool resources, maybe a co-op or something, because it's very hard to, to jump into any, art process when you that requires a lot of commitment uh, um, equipment when you don't have it and I know you experience this with with ceramics yeah absolutely so you try to get used equipment or or build it yourself build it or, yourself or something um, there are printmaking processes that can be done without a press um, such as silk screen or um, there are ways to make mono prints without a press too <laughs> and another thing I just wanted to mention quickly is is humble old drawing because Drawing can be amazing. And I recently, um, I was on Instagram and I did hashtag uh, contemporary drawing. And there was some interesting stuff come up. And so most drawing uh, involves pretty inexpensive material. And so, you know, open your mind to that possibility. Working on paper with just a few simple drawing tools can, can really be um, 
Very interesting. Well, and also graphic design and photography. I mean, most of us have a very high quality camera in our pockets that we mm -hmm. carry around all the time on our cell phones. Yeah, yeah. And most of us have a computer that can do at least some basic graphic design functions. Mm -hmm. um, and there's free programs out there. Yeah. Um, I use uh, uh, GIMP 2.0, uh -huh. um, or I think it's, there's a newer one out now, a newer version of it. Um, but there's some really nice editing software out there um, that's available, that's open source, and it's free. And, yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a way to to start experimenting with these things yeah. without making a financial commitment. Right, and I think I think um, using online resources, libraries, etc., to learn about what other artists are doing can really open your mind too. Because you you can look at the list of media that people put on their work. Sometimes it's very interesting. I I just today a friend of mine, Jeff Hurst, put up drawings made with floor varnish. <laughs> Well, and there's an example of somebody who probably just went to the hardware store and was like, I can make something with this. <laughs> so, you know? you know, you, you, um, you know, some things may not be archival or long lasting, but if, you, especially if you're just starting out, you know, it's not that important, right? So, so just, you know, enjoy. Well, and it goes back to the three P's, play, practice, and patience. <laughs> I'm going to start pushing these three P's. <laughs> We're gonna make T-shirts. Okay, all right. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I, I think to sum it up, I mean that there is, when you're an artist and you want to make art, it's a very inner drive, it's a compulsion. So go with that compulsion, and and you will find things to use, even if you can't spend a lot of money. And I, I personally started out that way, so I speak from experience. Well, and we may not have time to dive deep into kind of the financial needs in running an art career, but are there a few kind of quick tips that you yeah. can give people? Sure. Um, well, basically, yeah, the art business part is another whole yeah. category. We're going we're gonna to have to do like a whole <laughs> I few think episodes so, because, on this. Yeah, I mean, you, you have to be careful about where you put your money. And there, there certainly are um, <clears throat> a lot of... Um, people coming at you and saying, oh, look what I can offer you for only blah, 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 and you're going to get all kinds of exposure. And I would say overall avoiding that that phrase of, oh, we'll give you exposure is probably one of the biggest tip-offs because it's a bit of a myth usually. And and yet people who, who want to sell you stuff in terms of promotion and business know we do want exposure, but yeah. it may not be what they have to offer. <laughs> well, and you you don't want to give what you're doing away for free. You no. al you always want to get something for it. Well, and and a lot of times, you know, you're you're being asked to put down a lot of money. They call them vanity galleries or vanity situations mm -hmm. where you you pay to play. And I remember somebody early on telling me, "Don't pay to play," and I didn't always follow that advice. And I. I did some things I would regret now as far as spending money on stuff. But well, and later on in your career you may run into situations where you need to invest in something in order to see a return. Yeah, but then maybe at that point you have a little bit better idea of your direction or what exactly. you know where to put your money so it's effective. And, in, and when in that our money is, is in short supply, your time is precious, your money is precious. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you're you're doing something where you're seeing a return on it. Yeah, yeah. So I think that I think it's it's common sense a lot of times, but I unfortunately, artists like anyone who really wants something, they want something to happen. They can easily get drawn into things that 
you know, really aren't that effective. And again, I speak from experience. So. And there's there's a few basic things that you can get for very low cost. Um, business cards from from online, like Vistaprint. Yeah. Um, building a website is not expensive if you do it yourself, and it's a learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's another skill that you can yeah. that you, you can, can help you can pack, other people with. Pack and, your own work. Um, you know. Um, avoid uh, things that have to be framed, yeah. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So, um, well, do you have any final thoughts that kind of wrap this episode up? Um, I guess just to, to be very encouraging and, and try not to tell yourself that you don't have enough money to do this because just start with what you have. Yeah, work with yeah. what you have and, and give and yourself a little bit of leeway. And explore the low-cost options that we've mentioned here. So. Well, that about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. You can find The Messy Studio on Facebook as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. Please check out www.squeegeepress.com. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> we, yes. New website. And www.rebeccacroll.com. And sign up for the email list to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. Please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher, and leave us a rating and a review. Remember to share the show with friends and family and anyone who you think will enjoy it. Thanks for listening and watching. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. <laughs>